Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Co-Sleeping. I'm Amanda. And I'm Adriana. And today we're talking all about setting boundaries. I know this is a big one, so let's just get right into it. Amanda, I know you personally have had a lot of big life changes lately and have had to really practice setting boundaries. Do you want to kick us off? I actually, while I was doing the notes for today's episode, I didn't realize that there were so many different types of boundaries. I always just thought it was kind of like your mental, your space, what you protect your peace. The different types are emotional, time, energy, mental, physical, and material. I think everyone knows what boundaries are, but they're just our personal lines that we draw in the sand. And so many times we think if we set these boundaries that we're being rude or inconsiderate when most of the time we're just respecting ourselves. I find just from what I've seen on social media and talking to other people, the hardest boundary to set is with in-laws. And I had an experience right after Kennedy was born, we had called my husband's parents from the hospital. We had never really talked about like when we would have visitors. We knew we wanted to wait a little bit until we had people come had her on a Monday and they're like can we come Thursday and my husband and I were like we'll be getting home from the hospital like Wednesday like you know I was in the back and I was like no no and my husband was the one who was like yeah I don't think that's gonna work for us let us get home and settled and we'll kind of go from there so I think visitors postpartum was definitely a big one for me but also who me personally like I'm comfortable having my sister around with my breast hanging out breastfeeding but my father-in-law maybe not so much That's more than understandable. (laughs) I had Aiden in the midst of the pandemic. So it actually sort of lifted that pressure of when are people coming? How soon are they coming? Mm -hmm. I had an emergency C-section. So our stay in the hospital was already extended. After that, it was no one's coming without a test. And even then, my circle's pretty small and I wasn't bending people off. But because we were in the midst of the pandemic, there wasn't that pressure. I find that the biggest thing with setting boundaries with in-laws is having you and your partner being on the same page. That was something my husband and I, most of our things we align the same with, you know, our views, our morals on things, where we stand, the things that kind of tick us off, the things that we will and will not allow. So we've always been on the same page. And I find if it's his family, he will address it. And if it's my family, I'll address it. So the few things that we have had come up, he's been able to address with kind of like, "Eh," you know, this is why we don't do that. This is why we feel this way. And it's always been received very well. We've been very fortunate. I know that's not always the case, but I find if you wait until like an escalated moment and then you have an in-law make a comment and you kind of snap back with, well, this is what we're doing or like, shut up. That's not going to be as well received (laughs) as a conversation of being like, Hey, I find this disrespectful. Don't comment on our parenting choices in front of our child. I think when we wait until those escalated moments, it's just like with our children, you can't de-escalate, you know, an escalated child. I don't know. I don't know why so many people feel as if they can comment on others' parenting. I do think that sometimes our parents and our in-laws feel like they hold a certain space that they can say and do whatever they want because we're their child. And it's kind of that whole, well, I brought you into this world. I can comment on the things you do. We didn't do it that way. So you have to do it this way. But just because our parents did something a certain way, I'm damn sure there is a lot that my parents did that I am steering far and clear from. Yeah. For those of you who are just tuning in this episode, I am currently living with parents and my sister. We came together as a family. I've been on my solo parenting journey since Aiden was born. So my village and Aiden's family is myself, my parents and my sister. And there are definitely times where we do not see eye to eye Mm -hmm. on parenting. And I think that there is this sense of, well, we're here, we're helping you in XYZ way. So we kind of have a say in what happens Mm -hmm. with Aiden's upbringing. And I've had to be extremely clear in the most respectful way because could not be more grateful for the situation Aiden and I are in to have family. I've really had to be clear on, listen, 
I want you guys to play the role of his grandparents. Mm -hmm. I'm his mother. He has a mom. I'm making decisions with clarity. I'm making decisions firmly. I'm standing my ground in this decision that I'm making, whatever it might be, and in the way that I'm raising him with the unconditional love that I'm raising him with. I understand you guys raised three children. I understand you've all been through this before. I understand you think you know best, but I think I know best for my son. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you can't impart wisdom on him, but there needs to be a line in the sand, as you just mentioned, Amanda, Mm -hmm. on parenting. Mm -hmm. So my boundary with them was, listen, if you're coming up against a challenge with Aiden, if you happen to be spending a little bit of time with them, I'm never far. If someone's hanging out with them in the house, I'm always right there. Please, if you feel a feeling that you don't know how to handle within your own body, within yourself, Aiden's bringing something up in you because I think a lot of the times as parents, that's where our challenges are. It's not that they're doing something wrong. It's not that they're challenging. It's that they're challenging something that we feel within us. So if that happens for you, happens to me, tap me in, tap me in and I'll handle it. And I think that that's a fair way to set the boundary with people that you care about. I think that there's a loving, caring way to set a boundary. But Amanda, you and I both know that sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes you don't need to be as loving. If it's with a person that's not within your inner circle, if you're not feeling that compassion and you don't want to extend that level of hey, let me explain to you why this is my boundary and how I kind of want you to handle it for myself and my child. You don't owe that to everyone. Love that point. (laughs) My challenge right now is learning how to set a boundary without justifying it. That's a big one for me is that I always feel, no matter who it is, whether it's the pediatrician or like literally someone at the grocery store, I don't need to go into why this is a boundary for me. You don't owe that to anybody. Most people who are bold enough to just comment to a random person they see on their parenting choices, they probably also don't care why they chose to do that because for them, whatever they say is going to be right. Right. And if you feel like having a conversation because you think someone might be open to it and you think that you could find some common ground or understand each other, that's really cool. But a lot of the times that's not the case. It'll either fall on deaf ears or they're just not in the space to hear it. And to be quite honest, even if they are, if you're not in a place to want to go into that, protect yourself. You don't have to. Your boundary can just be your boundary and you don't have to be apologetic for it. I love that you said too, most of the times our children's behavior, it's not their behavior that is triggering us. It's something within us. Cause I have found that even a lot this week. I know I was talking to you earlier this week and I was like, it has been a rough week. My daughter has her first ever ear infection and she was melting down crying the whole ride home. You know, she's three. She understands. I said, I'm trying very hard to be patient and gentle, but I'm really struggling. And it was nothing she was doing. I understood she's in pain. She doesn't feel well, but also I have a headache. I haven't slept. I've been listening to the crying. I can't help you right now. Like you want milk and I I can't nurse you while I'm driving 45 minutes home from the doctor. And, you know, in that moment, she's not going to understand that. And I think so much of what we're feeling kind of seeps onto them. So we just had a rough day because I was having a rough day. I didn't realize that I have to justify a boundary with people until you said that. I don't want to say I struggle with setting the boundary, but setting one that's like appropriate. For me, I go right to the extreme. If you cross a boundary for me and you're toxic and you just don't fit what I've got going on and we don't mesh well, I'm going to cut you out. And I've done that with friends. I've done that with my own parents. If you're toxic to me or my child, I don't need to explain. If you cross that for me, you're kind of done. I'm really quick to cut people out, which I've had some people who are like, wow, that's really great. I have a lot of toxic people in my life, but they're family or they're, you know, a close friend of mine, or they need me, I can't cut them out where I'm just like, "Mm, nope, bye, which is a bit extreme. (laughs) 
I think your past informs that though. Mm -hmm. I think that you probably let things slide a long time ago more than you would have liked to. And you Mm -hmm. learned from that. And now you're like, no, I can sense when and if this relationship, whatever it might be, is not healthy for me. And I'm not going to move more deeply into it. And I find my time and energy is the biggest thing. Like, I feel like I go really deep into people. Like, I want to know everything about you. Like, I want to build really strong bonds. And I'm that way with my friends, my sister-in-law, like even my coworker. Like, I really want deep connection with everybody. Definitely hashtag childhood trauma, but we'll unpack that a different day. I give so much to people around me. And then I've, over the past couple months, like looked at their not giving the same back to me. Like I have a couple people where it's like, if I stop texting them, Hey, how are you doing? Would they ever reach out? No. Cause I'm the one always putting that out there. You may not think anything wrong with that. Like you may not realize that that's boundary that they're crossing, but giving something to so many people. And then it's kind of like, what do I have left for me and for my family? I've given to everyone else. And Sometimes I don't think you realize that you need to set a boundary until you set it and you're like, oh shoot, that should have been done a long time ago. Like they took advantage of that for a while or they crossed that line. They were disrespectful for a long time, but sometimes you don't realize it when you're in it. Thinking about why it's so important for me to set boundaries, like truly why is it that that is an important practice for me? my lowest in parenthood so far. There are two examples that I don't know that I will be able to extract from my memory. I would love to, but they're actually good reminders for why Mm -hmm. this is important. There are two very specific days in Aiden's life that I hate thinking about. And they were days that I am ashamed to think about because of how I felt. Nothing extreme happened. Nothing. I'm thinking, I'm like, dang, what happened? Did she tell me about this? No, it was just how I felt. It was that irritation, that anxiety. It was like after a long few nights, he was upset and I was upset and he was at that five month mark. Everything was upside down with sleep and I wasn't nourishing myself literally just day to day remembering to eat meal. I was just at a low he was at a low and we were just physically depleted. And I just reached that brink. You know, that feeling in your chest where you're like, I'm going to snap. Like I'm I'm getting upset. I'm getting, I can't do this. And you read about it. You read about it on social media. Like step out of the room if you have to, you know, take a moment. These step-by-step, like do this, do this script, say this. Yeah. Okay. But when I'm at a 10 and they're at a 10, like I'm not thinking about that right now. And I'm going to be honest that I needed to do it to just put him down in his crib, exit our bedroom. We have a crib that we don't use. It's a toy storage slash laundry (laughs) basket. So I just emptied the crib, put him in it and stepped out of the room for about 90 seconds to take a couple of deep breaths. But the sounds of him just wailing, that sad, heartbroken, heart-wrenching wail, the reason that we bed share so that I never have to hear him do that and cry out for me. That's just my personal choice. It was awful. And I needed to take that moment to step aside. I was feeling a way that I did not want to feel. So I took that moment and then I just ran to him and we, and we were able to repair, but I reached that point twice. I want to normalize that because we all get there. I actually want to work around my shame in that happening. The first time it happened, I was like, I will never let this happen again. I will never let myself feel this level of irritation or anger from lack of sleep again, ever. It's not realistic. Parenthood is a lifelong journey. And I, I think it's so important to normalize that. As you're saying that I'm over here, I'm trying to lessen my mm-hmms because in our prior recordings, that's all I can hear is me agreeing with everything in the background. But that is so true. Just because we're moms doesn't mean that we're not human. We see a lot on social media and just in general, the super mom. You know, my cousin actually got me a shirt that said super mom, super wife, super tired. And it's like, why are we putting being the superhero of a mom on a pedestal? It's like, I know I'm my daughter's superhero. I know that I'm her Wonder Woman. I'm sure she thinks I'm that person, but I don't want to always be seen as that person because 
guess what? Like, I'm going to trip. I'm going to stumble along the way. I'm going to raise my voice. I did it earlier this week. I had texted you right after I had to give her her medicine and we were both sitting there crying. I just need to reset. I want her to see the repair. I want her to see how we come back from that because I think that's more important than the breakdown itself. How we come back from it, how we repair, how we work through this because our children are going to handle these big emotions. So, you know, they're going to know that we do as well. The biggest boundary I've had to set is definitely been with my parents. If you've listened to Coffee and Co-Sleeping before, you've known that I actually do not have a relationship with either one of my parents. I'd say I probably haven't seen them in a couple of years. If there's mutual family events, Christmas parties, I'll attend that. And that was something I didn't do for a while. My husband and I would skip out on these events. If they were going to be there, if they weren't going to be there, we would go. That put our family in a very uncomfortable position. Do we invite Amanda and Mike or do we invite her parents? And I don't want anyone to feel like they have to choose between us. That's not fair. This was a decision that we made for our family. Others shouldn't be forced to make that decision either. And I also don't want my daughter to miss out on stuff. If they're at Thanksgiving dinner, that's not fair to my daughter to miss out on that time with her aunts, uncles, and cousins because they're present. That was something my sister had said. That is why she always, you know, attended these things because she didn't want her girls to miss out on opportunity. And I got that. And then it's kind of like a smile. Hi, how are you? Very uncomfortable. My daughter hasn't been at a point where she asks who they are. My mom sends gifts a lot, which I've reached out and asked her not to do because as my daughter gets older, it's getting harder to explain where these things are coming from. And I do, I'm not going to lie. I'm very transparent with her. I obviously don't unload all of the baggage on her because she's three. There's a lot of reaching out, a lot of phone calls, a lot of texts, and most of them go unanswered. For a long time, I would respond to her. Whenever we are up visiting family, the texts increase, like I want to see you, and I would respond. And it would go back and forth. I would always feel that pent up in the chest feeling. And it was like, how do I fix this? I stopped responding. I deleted her number from my phone and I stopped responding. That's a hard boundary to just not respond to somebody. I feel awful. I feel rude. But that's kind of what we're talking about. I'm not being awful, rude, or, you know, flat out a bitch. This is my personal space, my bubble of my family, and I'm protecting it the only way I know how right now. And that's not a decision you would have reached without really having to get there. Yeah, it was, you know, it wasn't, you know, one argument. It was like, that's it. You're out of my life. Believe me, I I wish that's all it was. And I came to that decision after I had my daughter. I said, I kind of had a childhood where I was constantly disappointed by my parents. So I don't want my daughter to now be disappointed by these same people who 25 years ago were disappointing me. So how do I do that? I don't have them in her life. So that was a boundary I actually set for her. You know, she could grow up and be like, you kept me from this whole side, you know, of my family. Why did you do that? You know, I want to have a relationship with them and I'll support that. This is something I'm doing for her because I I feel this is best. You know, she is not old enough or has the right sound mind to make her own decisions. So I'm going to make them for her with what I've been given, the tools that I've been given and the experiences that I've had with these people. We keep mentioning that feeling in our chest, that place where you get that anxiety or that irritation or that anger. Going back to the why it's so important for me to set boundaries, it's so that I don't get there. It doesn't mean I'll never get there. We're human. We're only Mm -hmm. human. But it's important for me to know that I'm doing everything I can to avoid getting there. For me, setting boundaries goes hand in hand with really being true to myself. I can't set proper boundaries if I'm not checking in with myself. Getting to that point of, I'm angry, I'm festering, I feel like I need to step out of this room. 
like I said, it's happened twice in the last 15 months since I've given birth to Aiden and it felt awful. It really didn't have a lot to do with not getting a good night's sleep. And I don't want to diminish what lack of sleep can do to a person. <laughs> it's really serious. I can actually run on pretty little sleep. It's breaking emotional mm-hmm. boundaries that causes burnout. It's not, you know what? It's been a rocky few nights. I'm groggy. I can have an extra cup of coffee. That doesn't piss me off though. You know, like I might be quicker to get irritated if I'm low on sleep, but what really brings me to that point of I need to get the hell out of this room (laughs) is not being true to my own personal boundaries and then reaching that burnout. I feel like I'm respectful of other people's boundaries. Like, I don't know. No one's ever come to me and said, hey, you know, you're disrespecting this or I don't like the way you do this. But we don't realize how often boundaries, how often they're kind of pushed to their limits. Even like when I'm at work, I've had a patient one time hug me without asking. And it was like, whoa, we're in a global pandemic first off back up. But like, I'm not a hug person from a random stranger who I did their exam. Like, I appreciate it. Thank you. Fill out a survey card that gets sent to corporate. Love it. (laughs) Don't give me a hug. But then I think to like daily conversation, sometimes I reach and I put my hand on somebody's arm or, you know, I get too close to them when I'm talking, or maybe I bring up conversations that are uncomfortable. That was something when I was looking up the different types of boundaries. Now in today's world, there is so much divide on a lot of different topics that I could bring something up very innocently and that could instantly trigger something for someone. And that's a boundary. They don't want to discuss that. You and I, before we embarked on this season, I was like, all right, what are your red topics? What are we not talking about? We said, okay, I respect that. We won't bring that up and vice versa. I think it's important to have those conversations with the people around you. This just made me think of kind of a funny story, which I guess would be considered like a boundary that was it last month or two months ago, we were in Massachusetts visiting family. It was late and I was sitting on the couch holding my newborn nephew and in the next room over my husband, his dad and his brother, they were just all talking and my father-in-law started talking about like helicopter parenting. My ears became little satellites because that's such a negative term that's often and associated with attachment and gentle, you know, treating our kids like humans. So my husband right away cut it and was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you know, like hanging over the kids. He's like, I don't think any of you guys are helicopter parents, but if anyone was, it would probably be Amanda. Like what? Okay. And I'm sitting there like wanting to yell from the other room. But of course I'm holding this newborn baby that's sleeping, soaking up every moment of this while mom sleeps. And my husband goes, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm like seeing that little TikTok to myself. I'm like, go little rock star, <laughs> like go Mike. And he was like, Amanda has spent the last two years interviewing some of these best experts in the field. It is not this, there's no, and he just kept going. And I was like, wow, this man listens when I speak. It it was great to hear. And right away, his brother was like, well, you know, your daughter's really great. So you must be doing something right. His brother said, you know, I don't always follow or agree with everything you guys do, but I respect it. And that's all you need. You don't have to agree with every boundary I set. That's fine. You know, people have, we're human, we have different boundaries, but at least respect it. You know, respect your peers and your family members. My husband may have escalated it to a point, like they weren't arguing. I don't think my father-in-law was trying to be negative, but like my husband immediately became very defensive because that's a boundary for us. You will not speak about our parenting choices, nor will you do it in front of other people or in front of my daughter. That bothers me. If somebody corrects Aiden in front of you, does that bother you? I've been like at a park and a random lady is like correcting Kennedy's behavior. Yeah, that's very not okay with me. Yeah. And I've seen stuff like on social media. Well, if your kid's in my presence and I'm going to correct him, like if he's in my house and it's my rules and it's like, mm. that kind of goes back to what I said earlier. If something's coming up within you, if you're at a point where you feel like you need to correct him because from your perspective, something he's doing is not okay, please tap me in. That's my job, A, to decide whether or not what he's doing, I don't even want to say is or isn't okay. 
yeah. something that I would like to either steer him away from for his own safety, let's say. It's my job to assess the situation and decide how to handle it. Something that's been really helpful for me. Sometimes these things happen and we're caught in the moment and you're like, uh, and then later on you're like, oh, I wish I would have said this or I wish I would have said mm-hmm. that or what I need to do. I have a little bit of a delayed emotional response. It usually takes me 24 hours to be like, okay, that's how I was really feeling in that moment. Something came up in me. This is what it was. It's never in that instant because I'm still practicing. I'm practicing learning how I feel and owning those feelings. Something I'm practicing doing now and it's actually really helpful and it leaves the door open for you to come back and set that boundary is saying, let me think about it. Or you know what? I don't know how I'm feeling right now. Give me a day. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, like the good old shower replay where you're like in the shower, washing your hair, replaying a conversation, being, oh my God, had I only said that, it would have been so good. I do that in the car all the time. Arguments with myself. I'm like, well, just in case they say this, I'm going to say this back. Then you get to the conversation and you're like, it's happening. Or like you forget all those awesome like quotes. It just never happens that way. So for me, just having that little line in my pocket, it's been monumentally helpful in then being able to go back and set a boundary. And one other thing that I'm just learning is if you haven't set a boundary with someone, if you haven't set a boundary around a certain situation, whether it's for yourself or as a parent for your child, don't then feel like, well, I didn't say something last time, so now I can never say something. You can always reset a precedent. We're people, we're constantly learning, we're constantly growing. It's okay to be like, hey, I didn't know that then, but I know that now. So now I know how I'm feeling about this situation. I'm going to set this boundary. I was referred to a pediatrician. We checked him out and Aiden and I have been going to his appointments. I always bring one of my parents with me. I always like to have like a second person there. I never felt great about him. Nothing exactly happened for me to be like, no, we're not sticking it out at this practice. It was just a feeling. And I told myself if and when, you know, something happens that doesn't feel right, doesn't sit right with me, I'd be open to looking for another pediatrician. If in your gut something doesn't feel right, you can walk away. You Mm -hmm. don't need to wait for something shitty to happen. You can just be like, you know what? I don't feel great pre-appointments, not just because they're stressful and my child's getting vaccinations or, you know, it's uncomfortable. They hate going to the doctors, but I just don't feel good about sitting in a room with this person. You can just leave. You can just opt out and find a new pediatrician. Don't wait until something crappy happens. But that's what I did. I I waited until something (laughs) happened. Learn from my mistake. That's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. I I didn't feel good about him. Our 15-month appointment... A couple weeks ago, uh, he made several comments that were just so disparaging to everything that I stand for as a parent. He was actually like spewing some misinformation. If I were a parent that didn't feel confident in my choices, or if I wasn't great in this moment about setting boundaries, that would have been an incredibly, incredibly emotionally rough appointment for me. Luckily, I was like, nope, this is it. (laughs) I left the appointment and immediately set out on a search for a new pediatrician. Mm -hmm. Within a week with some help from my sister, found a new pediatrician. She tapped into her network. We found a great pediatrician that I'm really excited for Aiden to meet. Our values align and I feel so good about it. But I wanted to call and explain why we were leaving the practice. There's absolutely no need. It was okay enough for me to feel like this appointment was not in line with my values. It's time to move on, to have the release form sent out and to be done. And if he didn't respect you enough as Aiden's mom, I'm not going to respect you enough as a person to even give you a reason of why I'm leaving your practice. And I've said that all the time, like these doctors, you work for me. You know, the reason you're here is because I'm a patient and I'm coming here. If that doesn't work for anymore, I'm not going to be here anymore. And we, you know, we've been talking a lot about this because we've both been kind of going through it 
at Kennedy's three-year appointment, her doctor was out on maternity leave. So we saw another lady who I just didn't love, same thing, but I was like, oh, you know, her doctor's out on maternity leave. But when we went this past week, I found out that her doctor's taking an extended maternity leave. Her assistant kind of alluded to the fact, flat out said, like, I don't think she's coming back. So I was like, okay, we drive 45 minutes for this doctor. I need to decide if there's somebody else here at the practice that I want to see or not. And the lady that we saw, again, she was not it. And I'll flat out say, you know, the doctor had brought something up about, you know, leaving the typical conversation at eight, nine months to leave your child to cry. And I had said to our previous pediatrician, I said, I won't be doing that. Please do not bring it up again. That was the last time we ever heard of it. She never once brought up you leaving her to cry. And then a little bit after two, she had asked about something with breastfeeding and the dentist and that whole rigmarole there. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to wean her. And she was like, okay, I won't bring it up again. So having a doctor who can respect your boundary is so important. And rather than continue to push, I'm not going to push on this. This is how I feel. A doctor that I see once a year for a well visit or every six months for a well visit is not going to change my opinion. But I think that's a great example of you setting a boundary with someone who might have Mm -hmm. slightly different values, but them respecting it and it working. And I didn't feel the need to explain and be like, I don't want to leave her to cry because she sleeps in bed with us and I feel this is best. And I don't like doing that because she probably doesn't even care. She's probably going to be like, I got to, you know, I'm looking at my fake watch here. I got another patient waiting in the waiting room ready for me. When I was leaving our appointment the other day, I said to the front desk girl, I said, oh, you know, since her pediatrician is still not here, let's book our follow-up with somebody else. She said, oh, you don't want to see who you saw today? I said, no. I said, we'll we'll try everybody in the practice until we find a good fit. And I didn't feel that I needed to explain, well, she made this comment that I didn't like because that didn't really matter. That's setting that boundary that protects your time and energy. The other thing that I've been trying to be good about with time and energy is my phone. My sister-in-law texted me like a month ago, just like for information and resources on something that would require a lot of time for me. It would be time, effort, energy, all of that. She had texted in the middle of the day. I didn't answer at all, which is not in my character. And then I texted her the next day and was like, hey, sorry, I, I flat out said I didn't have the mental capacity to respond to that yesterday. One thing that I've been trying to do is if and when I feel like I need a vent, I'm not necessarily looking for input. I just need to process through talking through a situation. Now I'll text someone and say, hey, I'm in a tough spot. I really need to talk through something. If and when you have the space, can you let me know? Instead of just like power calling a couple of friends till someone's available to be like, you're never going to believe because you don't know where another person might be at emotionally and if they're ready for that. And to be quite honest, mm-hmm. it's tough when your friend's calling you in a time of need to be like, hey, you sound really, really, really stressed and frazzled, but I can't do this right now. I can't tell you how many times that has happened to That's me. That's why I feel like a quick text is nice because it gives that person the space to be like, you know mm-hmm. what, I can hold space for you right now or let me get back to you. Yeah, because you never really know what somebody's no, going through. you don't. I'll leave us at this for me, one thing that I think we don't talk about enough in terms of setting boundaries is holding ourselves accountable. Because I know damn well that I have established a boundary in my mind, but then I'll allow myself to cross it. (laughs) So it's not always on the other person. It's rarely ever on the other person on whether or not it goes well. It's on us. Whether or not we're holding true to ourselves, checking in with ourselves, setting those boundaries and keeping them aligned with our values, that's on us. So sometimes for me, that burnout comes from pure and simple for myself. It's because I'm not being honest about my boundaries. Not justifying and keeping myself accountable to my boundaries is something that I'm currently working on and I really want to get better at. 
And I make excuses for everybody too. Like if they cross a boundary, I'm like, oh, maybe I didn't make it clear. Or maybe they have a lot going on. So that's why they did this or they didn't understand or they mean well, but it's like, no, no, you're right. We have to hold ourselves accountable too. If we care enough to set these boundaries, then we need to care enough. And we owe it to ourselves to hold people to them. And my husband always says like, you don't owe anyone anything. Cause that's like a big thing for me. Like if I have a lot of people like texting me, like what you were saying, like texting somebody, hey, do you have the space? for this sometimes I get so annoyed when people like hey can you do this or does this day work it's like I don't know and I've been a lot better with my phone I'm like I'm just not responding I don't have an answer I don't have the space for it I don't want to do this so I just won't answer and that's been a big thing with running the social media too you know we'll have hundreds of dms and if I open a dm that's more than three lines long asking for advice or help or this like I want to respond and I want to connect with everybody but sometimes I truly don't have the time or the mental bandwidth to answer that and that's okay and sometimes I don't have the answers either so that's okay to not give everything to everyone else and then catch yourself at the end of the day like oh I have nothing left to give or do for myself and then that reflects on our parenting choices and how we treat our children and the last thing I just want to touch on quickly too is respecting our children's boundaries because there's been times that like I'm tickling my daughter or playing with her you know being silly and she'll say stop I don't like that no so I'm really big on saying okay I'm done I'm sorry our kids know what they like and don't like, you know, even sometimes my daughter will say like, stop talking, if I'm telling her and talking, I'm like, damn, that was a hard boundary. But okay, I got it. Even something simple as like, I don't like this song. If it's something that I can accommodate for lack of better word, then I'm going to because I want to show her that her boundaries matter just because she's a child, you know, me saying I don't want to be touched like with nursing, I'll say Oh, not, you know, not right now, I need a little bit of a break, or I need to go lay down. If she's willing to respect my boundary, as an adult, how am I going to disrespect her just because she's a child? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that our children's boundaries. Aiden is only 15 months old, but he's recently in the last couple of months, he's okay to let me know how he's feeling in any given situation. And in the last couple of months, he's been very vocal about when he doesn't want a picture taken of him. So sometimes I'm like, oh my God, this is so cute. We're in like the cutest bubble bath. And this is like a perfect little photo op and trying not to get my phone wet and take a picture of us over the side of the tub. He will push the phone away and make a face and shake his head. No. Okay. No problem. I know damn well that there are many times where I don't want my photo taken or I don't want to be on camera, you know? So most of the time for me, I'm like, they're pretty intuitive. They're pretty good about letting you know when they're not okay with something. And it's our job Mm -hmm. as their parents to make them feel okay about that. The big boundary that I've had to help her with is uh, hugging because like a lot of families like come give me my hug come give me a kiss and it's like my child doesn't owe you anything you know she doesn't owe you a hug or a kiss and thankfully everyone around us like if my daughter won't go over there or I'll be like if you want to give them a hug goodbye or we could do a high five and then she chooses 98% of the time families like it's okay you don't have to right now maybe later and I also think giving myself a little bit of grace for how I handle the situation not everyone around us always knows the perfect things to say either. And, you know, I've been lucky that a lot of the people around me will kind of parallel and echo what I say, like, oh, okay, so she said it this way, you know, oh, yeah, not right now, maybe later. And I'm sure those things hurt, you know, as a grandparent, and you don't see your grandchild a lot, and then being like, I don't want to give a hug. But 
I have to respect that I'm not going to go over and grab her because I don't want her to ever think that's okay. I mean, I'm really big on my space, my personal bubble. I've said that before. So I want my daughter to know that I also respect her bubble as well. I don't think people are generally coming from a bad place. You know, when your parents or my parents are like, Aiden, give me a hug. They're not trying to cross their boundaries or force them into some kind of physical interaction that they don't want. They're doing the best they can. And setting a boundary doesn't have to be this curt, short, unjustified. You know, if it's your parents or if it's a sibling or if it's a close friend and you want to get into that conversation about like, hey, I'm really trying to teach my child about consent. It's okay to set a boundary with love and compassion for those that you want to give that to. And I think if you do it a certain way and go about it a certain way, most people are willing to learn. Like my in-laws, they've been very, very respectful of the way that we choose to parent and understanding and ask questions. And they've been eager to learn, which is nice to see, you know, as a younger generation of parents to see see it. Yeah. The older generation, like, Hey, maybe you're Mm -hmm. on to something. It's like, yeah. I think we are, but I think that's such a great note to end on. I mean, Kennedy tells me all the time, I'm doing the best I can, and sometimes that is all any of us can do. So we'll catch you next week. So if you haven't already, give us a follow on at Coffee and Co. Sleeping Pod, and make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And until next week, cheers, mamas. Mm-hmm.